And welcome back. How's everyone getting on? Good. All doing good. Um, so today we're joined by Rachel Kimsey. Uh, Rachel, you've been a big part of the Call of Duty games and plenty more. Um, I had to write down the games you were in, you're in so many. Call of Duty Ghost, Infinite Warfare, Black Ops 3, 4, and Cold War. That's a lot, but um, obviously that's not all you do. So how about you introduce yourself? Um, hi, I'm Rachel Kimsey. I've been playing in the voice acting world for the last 10 years or so. I've uh, done a lot of stuff in the, the Call of Duty world, which has been really fun. Um, I've played in Halo and in um, uh, Into the Wilds. Uh, there's a, a bunch of fun things in games. Um, I got to live my childhood dream of being a superhero on Justice League action. Um, and now I'm living my mom dream where I'm narrating a whole bunch of toddler books for, for Disney, where I'm teaching little kids how to read. So it's a nice full circle thing. I've got a whole bunch of stuff yeah. I'll probably never let my children see. And then a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff <laughs> that I, I funnel toward them now. It's a, it's a mm. nice place to be right in the middle. <laughs> is, it, is that a worry for you? Like that your kids may like see you in these games and get the wrong impression or in other things you've done? No, you know what it is? The truth is, it's not that I would never let my kids play these games. It's not that at all. It's that by the time they're old enough to play these games, they'll be like, oh my gosh, mom, that technology is so old. <laughs> like by the time by the time they're old enough that it's appropriate for them, they'd yeah. be like, that would be like me playing Pong going, oh, that's really cute, parents, that that was your game back then. They'll be like, no, that's... <laughs> That's old. I have no idea what games are going to look like by then, yeah. but inevitably, like they've changed and developed so fast, they'll be like, mm, "We're good." Have you heard of those uh, haptic feedback suits? So, like, yeah, there's these things in game. You get shot in the game, and it like that must that must fucking hurt. I'll like, tell you. I remember when like the Rumble like controller came out, and that seemed like the most intense thing because you're like, "Oh, when I go over a thing, I can feel it in my hand." The idea of like feeling it in my body when I get to I don't know where Jared's gone but clearly he's doing something menacingly yeah I'm that person that like gets invited to go play paintball and goes that sounds like so much fun I don't like getting shot I love paintball <laughs> I'm like, like I don't I don't enjoy getting shot. I like jumping off of buildings I like falling down I've been lit on fire I've done stunt work I'm all for that but I don't I don't like getting shot that's uh i guess you could say that's reasonable yeah but, uh, thank, you. thank you thank you everybody needs to draw their standards someplace <laughs> yeah um any kind of virtual reality is is crazy uh, those haptic suits you're talking about absolutely yeah. insane we explained that to bruce thomas and you know his mind was blown i <laughs> explained that to dr dave hill and the last game he ever played was pong that was the last <laughs> game he played oh, wow yeah so funny you brought Pong up. But yeah, I, I've been using this thing, the uh, Oculus so headset. Cool. And oh my God, you know, you look like a fool when you use it. Oh you, yeah, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Um, the, the part that blows my mind, I played the simplest VR game I think that's ever invented. Uh, you literally just get in an elevator and go up. And when you get to the top, there's like a board that you walk out on. Yeah, it's called Plank. Okay, oh, great. I don't know. I watched three other people do it. I watched what it looked like. 
from inside through the monitors. Mm. I put the thing out and I, I swear to God, you guys, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like my, my whole, my heart was pounding. My body was just like, no, you can't walk out there. Like, I know how it works. And my body was like, no. <laughs> and I, I like to tell myself that's why I'm a good actor because my suspension of disbelief is very powerful, but also maybe I'm just a coward. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But I was like, I was like, okay that was intense enough. I'm not sure that I'm emotionally capable of playing like a first person shooter game in a virtual reality world. I was like, I can sit in the ocean and watch a whale swim by. Like I'm, I'm down with that. But I'm like, I don't know if I can tolerate a zombie jumping out at me from behind a wall. Yeah. I might have an actual heart attack. That one's a bit rough in all fairness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool stuff the way uh, video games are going and it's amazing that you get to be a part of that. You know, we're, yes. we're a consumer, but like you're part of the production and yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. really exciting. You've done so many games and big ones too. Like you did Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, that was, that was a huge game when it came out. Some of the best graphics people have ever seen. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's a really replayable game because of how much um, you can do in the world. And I'm definitely a narrative storyteller person. Like yeah. I struggle in sandbox games because I'm like, because I grew up on the NES and I'm like, I need a game that tells me where the beginning, middle and end is. Like, I need to, I need to go get the Triforce. <laughs> like, mm. I need to rescue the princess. Um, but there's something about like, oh, I can like collect supplies to make arrows to go hunting. Like, yeah, that's cool. okay. Like, that's, that's cool. I, I, I think it's pretty. I, I, I really like uh, those kind of games, like open world games, like yeah. Spider-Man, God of War. They're all great games. Yeah. They're mm. super good. And, you know, it's funny you bring up that you need, you need a story that has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, because you took part in one of the most confusing Call of Duty games ever, yeah. uh, Black Ops 3. And it was a great one, absolutely. But uh, the campaign was one of the most confusing things ever. So it, it must, been, must be weird. It, you know, it's, the, the thing that's wild about it is we didn't get the story from beginning to end while we were doing it. So if you thought it was confusing seeing it through in a narrative arc, like we started in the middle and then took something from the beginning and then some from the end. And then like we bounced around all over the place, putting it together. And so there were times where we'd come in and, and like, we just have to sit there and we'd have to have a powwow with the director for like 15 minutes before going, okay, so what has happened? Yeah. What? Okay. So that other thing that hasn't happened yet. And what are we doing now? and like trying to figure out where we were within the story. But if I told you that it has a bit of a fight club element, does that help with the Taylor situation? It, it actually does, yeah. There's like, there's, if, you, if you think of Taylor as Tyler Durden, it, it kind of helps sort out the story a little bit. Mm. So, um, so. Yeah, the general consensus is that when it was written, it was written on crack. But, uh, well, it was written I, by a Scotsman, it so it's entirely possible. You never know. There you go. <laughs> um, I adore yeah. him. He's the best. Oh, yeah. Um, like the Scots are kind of like the less cool Irish, in, in my opinion, being Irish. It could have been worse. It could be <laughs> a very biased opinion. by a Welshman. I mean, <laughs> we don't want to get into the Welsh. We'll, we'll keep them out of it now. Don't want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. But yeah, no, cool, cool game. And. Um, you know, it was cool you got to take, take part in and be such a big character. Um, yeah. So how did you prepare for that role? This obviously wasn't your first time in a Call of Duty game. 
so it wasn't my first time in the Call of Duty world, which was really helpful. Um, but it was my first time mo-capping a job this big. Um, and motion capture and performance capture is a really different experience than being in the studio doing voiceover. Um, but I had done Call of Duty as voiceover and I had done motion capture on other things. Um, so when it came time to marry the worlds, it, um, it, it just started to make sense. The thing that was really interesting about that game in particular for me was um, everything that had been told to me at some point in my career that was a negative about me was exactly what they needed for this game. Like it's some, mm -hmm. well, so like there was one day <clears throat> where the director came up to me and he said, oh, thank God you don't have Botox because if, if you're, face wasn't moving we wouldn't be able to see anything and there's this feeling right in Hollywood of like you have to stay young and perfect forever so people start freezing things right mm. but if you freeze a part of your face then the markers don't move so they don't get any information mm. I had decided I was like I'm not that girl so I'm not doing that so instead of somebody going don't you think you could look a little younger they were like oh thank god your body moves right mm -hmm. i had been told i was too tall that i was too muscular that my voice was too deep that my voice had too much texture that like all not on every single job but like at different times people were like oh we'd love to have you for this but and all of those things were what they needed on this game my i come from a, a military family i am not military i always want to make that clear but like but my brothers are my my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandfather, like it's it's in my family DNA and language and and to be able to use that as part of the fluent language of this place and feel like I was honoring people that I loved was really, really powerful for me. Um, I know that one of the things that happened is when I showed up for the very first audition and I picked up the, in motion capture, we have these solid rubber, um, guns they're very very accurate uh looking um and they're very heavy which is pretty accurate to real life um mm -hmm. but they're 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 solid there are no moving parts so you know that they're they're safe and i picked it up and they looked at me and were like oh that's not the first time you've picked it up before and i was like no it's and that makes a difference it makes a difference when you come in with something in your body language and something in you know the back of your mind i didn't I wasn't pulling my references from language from other video games I've seen in other movies. I was pulling it from my family. You know, the, mm -hmm. the movement was things that I've done with my brothers and my father uh, and my sister um, out in real life. And uh, I am not as proficient at it as them, but it wasn't the first time I'd ever done it. And so those kinds of things really served on this to, to just feel like I could drop into the world and didn't have to start from scratch. Yeah. Um, and that was really fun. It was nice for all of the things that made me me to be what was needed and that I didn't have to change myself for the work, which was really rewarding. Yeah. Um, and what I, you're saying there about like, you know, the Botox and you can't really move your face. <laughs> that, that is a really toxic standard in that industry. That That is rough. I, I honestly, I would hate to be a woman in that industry. It's your confidence uh, must easy. be destroyed. Like these, these expectations being pushed at you, it, it must be rough. It's a, it's a really different 
world than um, men are asked to live in. Mm -hmm. It is only a heightened version of what women are asked to live in in the regular world. Uh, And it is, it's toxic and it's poisonous. And I want to be part of the, you know, the point of the spear that's about changing it uh, Mm -hmm. by not doing those things, um, but continuing to, to forge ahead. But it does, it, it takes a certain amount of self-regard and resilience to just say, your opinion about my forehead does not determine how I feel about myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, 100%. 22 is not the ideal age for everything. Oh, there, you go. there you go. It's, it is a perfectly fine age, but yeah. so is 32 and so is 42 and so is yeah. 72. So maybe there are more stories out there to tell. There you go. Um, and then going back to your, you know, your family experience with the military, mm-hmm. obviously that was a big, that was a big hand and um, I guess competitive edge. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming like, you know, being in these different like first person shooter games that's helped overall. I think so. I, you know, it's, it's funny. It's not, it's not like it's, it was dinner table conversation growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my dad was, one of the only one of his siblings that didn't go to a military academy. Um, but you know, my grandfather was a general and um, my aunts and uncles all, all went to academies. My aunt was a, you know, one of the first women to go to the American Air Force Academy. And, um, but when my little brother decided to join the army, we all went, wait, what? But you're like the sweet one, but, <laughs> which says something. Um, but he is lifetime career and he loves it and meeting, knowing him and meeting the people that he works with. And then my older brother um, went into the air force a little bit later and knowing him and meeting the people that he's worked with. And I I joked that if you were my friend in high school and you were Italian, you joined the Marines. I don't know why (laughs) all of my friends with Italian last names, they all joined the Marines, Um, you know, and going through, the um the gulf war with them then i just aged myself um was a really profound experience and it it made those relationships personal it made their experiences personal um there are some movies i still can't watch because they just feel way too close to home um because i can't i can't separate myself enough from the story to get through it that's that's fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> hmm. it's, it's mad how similar you are to uh, another actor we had. It's Al Cornell, and he plays uh, Garcia in mm-hmm. Cold War. And he was telling us how his military background really helped him uh, shape his character and how it. Uh... But in all fairness, so did his salsa career. Yeah. His salsa career? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna Apparently, have to he could do that in the military out. too. Which blew my mind. He danced in the military and then he included that. Oh, he has like an emote uh, in the game where he dances. It's great. (laughs) I'm going to have to go check out that episode because I want to learn more about that. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's the funny thing, you know, like, um, again, like I want to be clear, I wasn't, you know, in the military. So I don't, I certainly don't want to, you know, take any credit from the people who've actually done that job. But it not being foreign to me made a difference. And and I, you know, I, I started doing stunt work when I was in college. And so being used to, you know, getting punched in the face and falling off of buildings and getting lit on fire and, you know, rolling around on the ground, like that stuff all helped because I was, 
I wasn't afraid to live in my body in a, an athletic way, mm-hmm. which is different than, you know, here's how you make a pretty picture on a screen, which is a really valuable skill. But mm-hmm. I also like, like getting punched and falling down part. <laughs> that part's fun for me. Well, so what you're saying sure. then is how you make it in the entertainment business is just be set on fire. Take that down, Jared. That might come in useful. Right, that might be useful. That's, that's clearly the takeaway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, we, we had a guy on before, um, Keanu Lam, and he was in Deadpool and a bunch of other things, Shazam. And he was talking about how little you get paid to be set on fire. And we were absolutely appalled. Yeah. Like that could seriously fuck you up. Yeah, it's interesting. And- it's it's a it's a surprisingly um, simple technical skill, but if it goes wrong, it goes so 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 wrong, which is why like I, I would always joke. I was like, I will drive a car, but I won't crash a car. I'll do a back burn, but I will never do a full body burn. Like, and and people are like, yeah, but this is a this is a super controlled environment. I was like, yeah, but it's just not worth it to me. Like, do you want to take that there are risk? people who are better at this job who are happy to do that hire them and pay them well there's i just i'm gonna i'm gonna draw my line just a little bit earlier because nah i'm good i don't you need know, if, i don't if need it goes fire wrong, in front of my face you know it could change your life forever uh, and not in a good way um it's, it's rough fire rarely does yeah 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 <laughs> uh, yeah no it's, it's cool you do that stuff um and you know being an actor and a voice actor how did you get into the business Um, I was one of those kids that just knew from really early on what I wanted to do with my life. That path did shift over time. You know, first I thought I wanted to do classical theater forever. I was like, I'm going to do Shakespeare in the park all over the world. And then I made my first movie and I was like, oh, making movies is awesome. (laughs) And then I, you know, my, my first like big break was doing a soap opera on TV. And I was like, oh, getting to go to work and make an hour of television every day is really cool. And then, you know, I started doing radio commercials and I was like, this is a really fun, tight way to do an entire story in 15 seconds. And then that continued to just build. I, this isn't an acting advice show, but if I had some advice for somebody who wanted to do this, it's keep your eyes open. If you're so fixated on only wanting to do one thing, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities because my career is definitely zigged and zagged all over the place, but I've stayed working in a variety of different ways since the beginning because I didn't define being an actor as being a movie star. I defined it as being an actor. And that looks like a lot of different things over time. Mm -hmm. At one point that was doing a live stunt show in Taiwan and falling off of buildings. And at one point, you know, it was sitting with a broken leg in a recording studio doing voices for Spider-Man, t- uh, the video game, because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't stand, I can't be on camera, but here with a broken leg, I can sit in this studio and I can participate in this world. So it's, a lot of it is about being flexible and being creative and, and being open to how the world will change around you and how you can change with it. Yeah. That's pretty inspiring. Um, you know, in, in acting or entertainment overall, you don't really stick with one thing. You'll very, very rarely find someone who's only a voice actor, only a TV actor, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, if they do it, it's because they hit something big. But generally, most actors are, are doing everything. And, you know, looking at your IMDb, um, it's clear you do everything. And um, 
you do it well as well. And like you've played some iconic characters like Wonder Woman. Um, I know there's a bit of controversy with that that movie recently, uh, but you did the yeah. animated yeah. one. Have you seen the new one? Uh, I have small children, so I have not been able to see it yet. That's fair. That's <laughs> I, fair. I was like, I was like, I want to watch it opening weekend, and then we have the we we have the Roku, so we couldn't get HBO on it because it just they hadn't updated. So we're like, okay, as soon as it's on, we're gonna do it. And I have a I have a baby who's cutting teeth right now, so nobody's sleeping. So the idea yeah. of scraping out an extra hour and a half to do anything else has been really tough. But I am determined. I'm gonna get it in as. I saw the last one on opening day. Last one's really good. good. The original Wonder Woman's great. Loved really it. I loved it. Um, yeah, no, I, I was kind of avoiding it because of all the controversy I've seen. But, see, um, now, are you a person who reads reviews and spoilers before seeing something? Or do you want to try and catch it before you hear the stuff? I, I go for the um, reviews that exclude uh, spoilers. Ooh. No. <laughs> Thomas but is you like, want spoilers? I'm all spoilers all the time. Yeah. Spoilers kidding? only, no reviews. Yeah, no. See, I don't even go see films because that's how you get them spoiled. Boom. Like, Boom. Here's, here's a point. point. Here's a point. Spoiler alert. Endgame I mean, has Endgame spoilers in it. Just want to put it out there, folks. I mean, let's not have those that for sure. That's yeah. It's like... <laughs> um, yeah. It must be hard, like when you're in this business, to like just separate um, the art from like what's going on. Like, I I don't know. I like always be comparing like what the actor is doing to how you do it, or how, how does it go? Um, I think that that could be a thing. I think it's a very poisonous thing that that can tear at your your confidence and your creativity. So if somebody out there is really struggling with that, I, I plead with you to, to give yourself a little more grace. But I, I remember being 15 and thinking like, I, it's, I'm already too old to start my acting career because Claire Danes is already doing my so-called life, which is clearly the show that I was supposed to be on. So obviously it's too late for me. I'll never, right? Yeah. That's not healthy. That's not helpful, No. right? So it's, it's helpful to watch something and, and imagine like, what might I do with that? Like, that's that's like if you were a musician and you're like, ooh, what would my cover version of that song be? But to, to sit and watch something and critique it, like, I would have done something better, but you didn't because it wasn't yours. And so that becomes this really toxic voice that's constantly mm -hmm. putting you in a place where either you're not enough or everyone else is, is not enough. And that that just starts to shut you down over time. But I will say the longer you stick around, the more friends you have doing stuff. And so the more you can watch something and be like, oh, oh, that was my, that was my friend in that scene. And that, that, granted, sometimes it does take you a little bit out of the story, but it also makes everything feel a little bit more bright and a little bit more personal. I love to go back and watch stuff I haven't seen in 10 or 15 years and realize I'm like, oh, I know that person and that person and that, oh my, my friends are all working. It's so great. <laughs> I, I get the feeling. Um, my girlfriend hates me for it. Uh, we we interview so many people, like we end up watching something. Like, oh, I know a guy who's in that. Shut yeah. up, watch the movie. Uh, I've yeah. done that as well. I was watching yeah. um, some film with Jim Carrey. I think it was Yes Man. Uh huh. And I was watching that the other day with my girlfriend, uh, with like a Netflix party. And at one point, I saw Spencer Garrett, and we interviewed him. He's a great guy. And yeah. I I paused the film, and my girlfriend just started 
like shouting. I'm like, why'd you pause the film? What's wrong with him? I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is a funny thing though. Like there are all kinds of things that I've watched just because um, a friend was in it. I was like, I was like, I just want to go support my friend. And so it turns me on to something that I might not have seen otherwise and that's really cool and sometimes that's indie stuff and sometimes it's television shows and sometimes it's big movies I might not have made time for otherwise but um definitely in gaming for sure um because I've mentioned I have small children I have a limit on the amount of time uh available to me and so like there are a lot of games I wouldn't choose only because I don't have the time commitment to get in and play it like my husband and I were ta literally talking last night we're like we really need to play the Last of Us uh, 2, because yeah. like everybody talked about it. We know everybody in that game and it was such a big deal. And we're not really sure what everybody's so mad about because we have had no minutes to, to play it because two small children. We're like, so maybe in like two or three years we have a little more time, we'll be like, oh, you guys, that's really dumb. Laura's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've, I've played the first one. The first one is, it's, a, it's such a good game. It's so uh, good. I haven't played the second one yet, simply because of how controversial it's been. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think if I play it, I might ruin it for myself. I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I've had friends play it. I've had two friends play it. And one of them said they liked it, thought it was great. And the other said it was the worst game they've ever played. So, it's so funny how things can be so binary that way. It's so interesting. Yeah. Like something can, because it subverts your expectations is either really satisfying or it subverts your expectations and you're really mad because you wanted it to serve your expectations. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting how that works. It's really interesting. Yeah. All I know is that I love all of those people and I think that they're brilliant. And so eventually I'm going to get around to playing it. Yeah. We're going to get there. We're going to have time again in our lives someday and it's going to be amazing. Don't we have all the time in the world right now? No. Not when do. you have a kid, Dredd. Shut up, man. <laughs> well, I, I, like, if, like, if, I if you're working at the same time, that would be I watch a lot these more... stories about people who are like, how are you filling your time? I was like, with a baby and a toddler and full-time work from home and <laughs> now chickens and my farm. I was like, okay. I have no minutes. <laughs> so but... we're going to end the podcast early because, you know, we might give this woman a, a mental breakdown. But anyway, yeah. I, was like, I was like, I have an hour to myself where I can just go talk to some people about stuff I love. Cool. Uh, do you guys do podcasts often? From time to time, and I always really enjoy it. I love, I love talking about what I do. I love talking about the, the journey of it. It's, you know, when I imagined my career, this is not what I imagined. Partly because I didn't know that I could, you know, and and looking back on the the journey to get here and and what that meant about opening up possibilities for my imagination for myself and my own life like that's really exciting and I I hope that people are open to that with whatever path they're in you know whether you want to be a game dev or a, a mechanical engineer or you know a comic book artist or a, a lawyer like be open to the path that might take you there and and be kind to yourself if it doesn't look like a straight line because spoiler mm. alert it never does um it's it's wild to look back like my parents really really limited our television time and our video game time like really limited it and that now I get to work in this and I can be proud of the stuff that I that I create like there's almost nothing that 
I mean, everybody's got a few things, but there's almost nothing that I've made that I'm not proud of. Yeah. You know, I, I did a, a, a cartoon called Spirit recently that I was so proud of it when it came out because I, I know that my, my niece loves that, that property, loves that cartoon. And I can send it to my sister and say, now she gets to play. You guys, are you ready for this? Did you read Choose Your Own Adventure books when you were kids? No. What? You missed out on the most amazing gift. So there are these books, right? Where you read the chapter and at the end, it's like, do you do this or do you do this? And then it's like, if you make this choice, turn to page 18. If you make this choice, turn to page 56. Um, So you could read these books over and over and over again. Well, we just did a cartoon that's that. Oh, that's cool. And it's like, to me, that was such a cool thing where I was like, my my niece can sit down and watch this story and per- and actively participate in it like i'm proud of that yeah. and you can look at that and say oh you did a kids cartoon or you can say no we're creating this new this new kind of storytelling where you can actually deeply engage with it and that it's accessible to kids and to adults like i i think that's really exciting i love what i do Oh, I'm, awesome. glad, I'm glad to hear it. It'd be a different story if we came in here like, oh, it's terrible. Oh my! <laughs> but yeah, no, um, especially because you know it's affecting, uh, you know, I guess, um, one of your your nieces or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's great to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do, do you have any like preference in when you're doing this work? Like, would you prefer to do voice acting, you know, just normal acting, or? You know, it's, it's really funny right now. I mean, I'm always happy to work on camera. There's something really wonderful about like being in a, in a studio and being on set and that collaborative experience. Like it's, it's just not like anything else, but I am really, really loving voice acting right now. Like it's, it's been the last couple of years, the balance of my work has shifted so heavily to voice acting. And it's been such a joy because it's so unrelentingly creative because when you're working on film, even when it's digital film, right? There's there's only a certain amount of time in the day. You have to cut off takes. You There's a certain amount of like, you gotta hit your marks and you gotta get your blocking right. And you've gotta get this thing in the can just right. Um, that at a certain point you just have to move on. And the constraints are pretty profound. Yeah. In voice acting, you're still trying to like hit your marks and get the story, but if you have an idea for something you want to try, it's like, yeah, sure. Just, yeah, just try it. Like there's, there's so much space to create something unique and creative that it feels, it feels the most like playing of anything I've done in a long time. So right now I love it. And, and truthfully, the fact that I've been able to do it from home in my home studio during this pandemic is I will, I know how incredibly fortunate I am and how incredibly grateful I am that my husband and I are both voice actors. And the fact that both of us have been able to to continue to work when a lot of people have not had that privilege. I, Mm. even, and especially in the entertainment industry, like I know how incredibly lucky we are and I'm so grateful for that. Um, And, you know, getting back to the thing we're talking about, you know, being a woman, like nobody cares how old I am in voiceover. They're like, can you do the job? Cool. Like nobody's like, oh, well, this protagonist is supposed to be 25. So sorry. It's like, well, can you sound 25? Cool. Well, there so, you go. 
yeah. the opportunities of who I can be and how I can be are much broader, which is really, really fun. Mm -hmm. You're not limited to how the kind of roles that you look like, which is mm -hmm. awesome. And I'm not yeah. too tall for any other actor, which is really nice. <laughs> Now you you said that a fair bit about being too tall. How tall are you? Like seven? No, plus? I'm only five eight. Um, but it's it's happened more than once where they're like, "Oh, we really like you," but I'm like, "Put him in lifts. It'll be fine." <laughs> uh, no, it's it's not that I'm so tall, but the couple of times it's come up, it's like, "Well, that's I can't do anything about that." So I guess it's just out of my control. Like, all right, yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it must be annoying. Like. You know getting turned down for a role because of something like you could you couldn't change like it's different if you said that the line's wrong or whatever blah, blah, blah. Sure. but you don't know you know your your height or blah, blah, blah. That, yeah the one nice. the one that will never not annoy me is when where they're like mm, we just wanted somebody with red hair i'm like have you seen the hair dye aisle of a store like that's remediable mm. all right fine <laughs> but yeah. everything else it's like you know there's the truth is it's so rarely is actually one of those things. That's just the thing that's easy to attach to. And be like, well, this will, the truth is it was never my job to begin with. It was, it was for somebody else from the start. And it's taken a long time in my career to be really comfortable with that idea. I'm like, if it wasn't, if it isn't mine, it wasn't mine and that's fine. Um, but it is, it is every once in a while kind of funny to think like, oh yeah, no, that's a, that's a thing. If you're, if your movie star is not tall enough, everyone else is going to be a little bit short too. That's just what it is. <laughs> yeah. And, Seems uh, to work okay for Tom Cruise. I was about to say. I, I know I know. there's a thing. He won't let uh, people run beside him in his movies because they'll be taller than him. That's an actual thing. You're not allowed to run beside Tom Cruise. Like someone started doing it once in a film and I'm pretty sure they got fired for it. Yeah, there are a lot of precautions taken to protect your movie star sometimes. And I think it's weird. I think it's weird. Like, hmm. I got, but at I the same time, like I worked on a show once where they were like, they were like, wait, how, when I was auditioning for it, they're like, how tall are you? And they're like, oh, thank God, because the female actress that I was going to be opposite of, who was the lead of the show, they're like, she's almost six feet tall. So this is great because it affects eye line. Like it was, it was only for, you know, this one scene, it was an important scene, but it was only this one scene and they didn't want to take away some of the emotional weight of the scene by having to like change camera angles. So they were like, oh, well, that's great. We, you know, we don't have to put you in five inch heels so that you guys can look at each other. Uh, this'll, this'll be fine. Like it was one of those where like, it wasn't going to rule me in or rule me out, but it was like, oh, that's one problem we don't have to solve so that we can focus on the emotional weight of the scene instead of on the technical aspects of the thing like that's a real thing and it's fine yeah yeah again you know entertainment i think it's a weird one it's a weird one what what they want sometimes sometimes it's, they don't know what they want i'm convinced true. most casting directors have a rough estimate and then they're hoping for the right person to walk in absolutely casting is such a hard job because it's exactly that you get kind of a rough estimate from your producer or your director from whoever is going to make the ultimate choice and then you see all of these people and you go who do i think is the best fit for what i think they're asking for and then you present those and maybe it is and maybe it isn't and then you've got these awful constraints of like who do the money people think is most valuable and who whose schedules work out like 
the one of the reasons that Black Ops was shot so out of order is because we had some celebrities that we had to work around whose schedules dictated when they could be with us. So it was like, well, we have to get that chapter written so that that actor can be available so that we can shoot that thing. So we're not gonna worry about what's happening in between just yet because we've got to get them in so that they can get out to go do some other thing. And I was like, I'm free whenever. You just tell me and I'll show up. <laughs> it's, it's amazing the contrast. Like, well, when Sam Worthington did Black Ops, he did all of his lines in one day. Same with Gary Oldman for both World at War and original oh. Black Ops. Um, you know, it's just, and then by comparison, like someone like our, our friend James, he'd spent hours and hours in the boot, um, you know, retrying everything and then in the mall cap as well. And same with yourself. Yeah. Um, I was on Black Ops for over a year. And that didn't mean every day. You know, some weeks it was one day, then we'd miss a week and then we'd be in two or three days. And some days I was doing mocap and some days I was, you know, in the in the voice studio. But I'm pretty I would be surprised if Katie Sackoff was in for more than a day. I don't know. I didn't get to be there that day. <laughs> um, my Battlestar Galactica dreams were crushed. But um, but I'd be really surprised if she was in for more than one day because she's busy. Yeah. You know. I hardly doubt they had, you know, Conor McGregor in the studio when they're filming that warfare with himself. Uh, he was, I think he was only there for a day. Yeah, you, you, you My husband worked well. on that scene and he didn't get to work with Conor and he was so bummed. Uh, he was like, what? I wanted to be there so bad. <laughs> is he a big McGregor fan? Uh, he's a big fight fan, yeah. Are you looking forward to this weekend? Probably. I just want to see that kid get punched in the face personally. I'm not a mean person, but also like, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, oh, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. I'm looking forward um, to it. Yeah, with McGregor, I feel like, you know, he used, he became a bit of a scumbag for a while. People really did not like him. He's kind yeah. of on a redemption thing. He was so polite in today's pre press conference. Was he? I didn't see it. It, it yeah. made zero sense. It was, I said to Thomas, he's like a different guy. He was talking um, about his opponent and talking about how he's going to donate to his charity and sponsor yeah, his hot his... sauce business. It's like, yeah, uh, so, you know, do you know what I mean? It's Conor McGregor we're talking about here, not. Like, yeah, it's and... funny. Like, I I like combat sports. Um, I, I prefer mixed martial arts to boxing, although boxing movies are my hands down favorite subgenre. I love boxing movies. Rocky. Um, <laughs> but I hate the big talkers. It's so weird. Like, there's something about the guys who just smack talk for weeks before that always makes me go, eh. Like, maybe you're good, but like, eh. mm. it's so like, it. I know that it's part of the game and it works, and that's why that that's part of why Conor McGregor is so famous. Like, nobody in that weight class gets that famous unless something special. Um, but then I'm like, but I don't, I don't like to hear all that. But I acknowledge that I would never know who he was if he wasn't doing it. Like it's that weird frisson, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. He just got too famous too fast. He he was literally in Ireland rags to riches in yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I mean, he does have good taste in suits, though. He can't take that away. Absolutely. Very okay. true. Okay. His whiskey, his whiskey is pretty nice as well. I'll give him is that. Is it? Oh, yeah. Try it. It's okay. Really nice. It's really smooth. I keep meaning to try it. We haven't we haven't tried it yet. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess po po power to him. Um, he's gonna fight Sunday. We, we have a UFC fighter on the same day. Should be a cool conversation. Oh, fine. Um, yeah, 
you know, it, it's weird some of the variety that, that you can get for a podcast, you know? I mean, people have time right now to chat. Like, Thank I don't have time God. to live my life, but I do have an hour to come chat. So that's good. Well, I appreciate it. it, it it's a form oh. of escapism. And I, I think that's the reason most people say, yeah, just, oh, I, I have an excuse. I can go talk for an hour and chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. It's nice to talk to somebody that you're not in quarantine pod with for a minute. <laughs> yes, it is. This is going to yeah. be a really interesting year to explain in the future. Like, like I don't know about you guys, but I grew up learning all about the Roaring Twenties and you know the the pre World War One era. I I think I'd heard the phrase Spanish flu, like, but somewhere like it, but it wasn't a significant event in my back in the back of my mind. Like I certainly didn't have a, a decade that it was attached to, mm-hmm. and now knowing the circumstances that they went through, it makes the next decade make so much more sense. I'm like, why didn't we learn about that? Would we have, would we have all of us collectively fared better if we'd actually, I don't know, learned lessons from history about how to treat each other and how to protect each other during this time? Like, it's gonna be interesting to sort of explain this as contemporary history Mm. to the kids who are growing up now or the even more the kids who are born in like five or ten years because it's there because it'll all be in this post covid world and like maybe that means everyone's getting you know inoculations every year and maybe it just will have gone by like i don't know I, i don't think we're gonna learn unless something big comes again i don't think we're gonna learn yeah um but no yeah you have a fair point there like why didn't we learn about those things i i think it's just preparation for for the future like we're going to teach our kids about the world wars because we don't want big wars to ever happen again right learning about world war ii teaches us that people shouldn't have too much power right. um we, we shouldn't treat um people differently because they're from one group of you know i don't know an ethnic minority of someone like you know the nazis were pretty infamous for doing that kind of shit uh you know so we it's, it's best we just learn from our mistakes yeah. Now, like that, something like that isn't really anyone's fault. You know, the Spanish flu, it just kind of happened. Yeah. So. But it's, it's interesting because the, the town where I went to university um, had really, really strict laws uh, governing mask wearing and going out and, and really strict fines that were levied. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cut to 100 years later, that exact same town are having these big like anti-masking events and showing up at city council saying kids should go back to school because, and it was like, it's literally like, let me just show you a photograph of 100 years ago in this same town. Don't try to tell me that this has never happened before and nobody's ever asked you to do this because- mm-hmm. Literally, when this town was under the same circumstances, everybody was like, yeah, I know, right? If you go out, like, you're fined. Maybe you're going to jail because, like, we got to look out for each other. And now, 100 years later, everyone's like, screw you. I'm the most important person. My convenience is more valuable than your health. And it's like, I, I think so you just, didn't even learn from your own neighbors. Okay. Well, there you go. I, I suppose everyone just has, like, their, their voice now, like, in, in the past. Um, a lot of them would have been suppressed, like especially women. Uh, I don't think their husbands were letting them. As, as awful as it is, their husbands were letting them, you know, have those kind of opinions. Yeah, I'm glad, to, glad to see university. a big difference now. I'm glad to see there's a big difference now. Um, but, you know, um, or even minorities not being able to, to voice their opinions. Uh, it's, it's rough. Like yeah, years, it's a slow shift, yeah. but it's getting better. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, 100 years ago was pretty awful. 
Yeah. I'm glad we <laughs> live now, you know? It's, things were things were significantly worse for all of those categories a hundred years yeah, ago. We have 100%. we have made positive movement, hopefully with uh, the energy that's been put toward those things in the last year, especially, we'll continue to move forward. Mm. There's been a real light shown on the the gap between what we think we've accomplished and what's actually changed. So that's hopefully mm. we'll, we'll make some positive movement that way. And you know with. The old new president there. Um, the how, new how do you think things are going to change? Like, he's the oldest president of all the time. Old, I love that. Though. The old, that. the old new president. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a weird thing, and it's always risky to put your political views out there. But it's it's a weird thing. I don't. It's not like having a new president is suddenly going to make a miracle happen in America, where we're a better, less racist, more egalitarian system. But I do have a lot of hope that more voices will be heard because it is the most, it's the most diverse cabinet that any president has ever had. It's the, it's the most well-staffed uh, White House that we've ever had on day one. They've, you know, there's already been, it, they're at least entering with an intention to listen better and to take action on behalf of more than just the vocal majority and that I think makes a difference. There will definitely be imperfect things. There's a lot to repair, but at least they are beginning with the intention of doing better than we have done. Mm. And that's a good place to start. Um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful that we won't lose momentum on those things and be like, most diverse cabinet, done. You know, my hope is that having uh, an indigenous woman in the, the, Department of the Interior, she'll say, hi, you have not taken good care of this land. And I'm going to do something about it. And yeah. it will actually listen to that point of view in a different way than say, I don't know, an oil baron having that job. D didn't he sign off on like 17 things yesterday? Like they passed like 17 new laws or whatever. Like, like that's, there's, there's that's a, a lot. lot. There's a lot of petty that happens on the last days. And it always does. There's always a lot of pardons and a lot of like last minute things where you're trying to was a little Wayne got pardoned. And, yeah. And if ugh, they're just, there's ugh. and, and, and didn't Joe Exotic's friends, they got a limo because they thought that he he was gonna pardon the him and, oh, and no. he just didn't. Oh, uh, but don't worry, Lil Wayne got pardoned. So that's a matters. That's covered. We've oh, got yeah. that handled. Whew. Who knows, you guys? Planet it's, saved. Yeah. Uh no. I don't, know. I don't know. There's there's a lot of work to do, and if you are a person who cares about other people, there's there's a lot of active work still to do. Um, but I am hopeful that there are enough people who at least recognize how how broad and how deep that work is that we will start making more progress. Yeah. Well, I hope you, you you love to see progress. Um, I, I think um, there, there is some work to be done in the States, in all fairness. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there, there is some things um, that we, we see here. Like, we, we, we have a different perspective because we're looking in at you sure. guys. It's like sure. all of Europe is looking at America like. Oh, it's not just Europe. It's the entire world. What's we're, going we're, on over there? What's happening with you dum-dums? You guys are on the big screen. Sorry, right? Sort it out. We're all getting our popcorn ready. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know, I, what got me excited was the idea that Joe Biden and Trump would go on to the Joe Rogan experience. Because I was like, how is this even possible? How do we live in a world <laughs> where this could happen? 
Um, and then Trump was like raring to do it. He was so ready. Yeah. And then Biden was probably even smarter to not go in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like there's every generation has that thing where it's like, wait, you're going to do that. And I remember, um, I don't remember what it was for Reagan because I was small enough that I don't remember, but I remember Bill Clinton going on like nighttime talk shows and everyone was like, oh, he's what? But then it was like, yeah, well, that's a way that you can reach people who may not seek you out otherwise. Mm-hmm. And and that those opportunities continue to shift and, and where it's going to be. Like he may not have gone on Joe Rogan, but I did listen to Joe Biden on uh, the Brene Brown podcast. And I was like, oh, well, that was that was really lovely. Like you just went on and had a conversation with a person who I respect about, you know, her perspective on, on power and, and vulnerability. And that's brave mm. to do. So, you know, he was not my first choice. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like he was, but I feel like he is doing everything in his power to be yeah. the mm. guy for the moment. And I have a lot of gratitude and respect for that. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff to be fixed in the moment. And, you know, fair play to him if he gets it done. Yeah. But yeah, he, he definitely wasn't people's first choice. Um, I think me and Jared say the whole time that if we were in the US, it, it, it would have been Bernie. Every single time. God damn, every single that time. Guy. Or Yang, Yang gang. Bernie bros or Yang gang. <laughs> you know? but, and here's the thing, like, they had a lot going for him too, and they had a lot of problems, you know, mm, too. Absolutely. And and that's the problem with the, the political system is their problems aren't necessarily based on them. It's, a, it's based on um, how they would have been able to, to get people on their side. And, you know, it, it's challenging. Like I, I was an Elizabeth Warren voter uh, and I'm very grateful that she has been really open with her plans because I was like, she has plans. She has actual concrete ideas about how to see, do things that, that she's, been generous with those plans and a lot of those are being instituted in this administration um i love that andrew yang really popularized the idea of a universal basic income which i think especially uh given the incredible stratification of wealth in this country and and in other places because of the existence of the internet and how much technology has changed our world um we need to find some way to to take out some of the highs and lows because we've lost the middle class kind of around the world, certainly through America and Western Europe. And, you know, Bernie made it popular to talk about somebody besides yourself as if that was an important thing to do. And I think it is, I think it's really important to go, I am willing to be inconvenienced for something that is more valuable than, than my today. Yeah, And I, those conversations are so important and I'm so grateful that they were having them. And I hope that those influences, you know, will meet this moment in history and that there'll be a little more unity and a little more collective action. And I bet everybody tunes into your podcast to hear my political opinions. <laughs> so maybe. Well, in all fairness, we end up with a political talk with nearly everyone, uh, just yeah. by accident. It's just, just that moment, you know? It just happens. It's just because the times. It didn't happen, yeah. like, before the presidential election yeah. was, like, relevant. Yeah. Um, Can know. I tell you guys a, a really silly story on that same tip? So of course, one, yeah. of my, one of my first potential big breaks, uh, I'm going to name drop. Are you ready? I did a reality show, <laughs> but not in the way that, like, 
it, it seemed they tried to pitch it as if all of us were actually like standing online to do the show. And it was really, my manager was like, do you think maybe you could book this job? Okay, let's go do the show. And it was a show called, I can't believe I'm actually talking about this. Um, it was a show called In Search of the Partridge Family. No, I've never yes. um, <laughs> and And basically it was like, everybody was competing to be, to like be in the new cast of the Partridge Family. This is the show that brought us Emma Stone. I've known her since she was 15. I can't say I still know her now. I wish her well and I love seeing her out there because I'm like, I love, I'll love your 15 year old self forever. Um, but on that show, uh, I got to meet David Cassidy, which was very fun for me. And I remember talking to him one day, I was like, so I've been watching some episodes of the Partridge Family. Did you guys know that you were talking about really important political things or was that just what life was like at the time he's like what do you mean I was like there were episodes about single mothers about um being unemployed about uh political action there were race episodes I was like I was like you were talking about all this stuff was that was that a choice do you think on the part of the show to incorporate it into a family-friendly thing or was that just the 70s and he was like I guess it was just the seventies. I mean, <laughs> we were trying to do good things, but I, and it was really interesting because I could see him kind of evaluating that moment. And I was glad that I could point it out to him. Cause I was like, that's important. Like it was just a sitcom. It was a musical sitcom, but they were talking about really potent things in a very approachable way. And I feel like this moment is kind of like that where it's like, you kind of can't not talk about it because the world is changing so drastically right now. Hmm. also i got to say that i met david cassidy in that story so you're well there you go uh, <laughs> I, I, the experience of a lifetime right there um big win. but yeah we're not gonna take up any more of your time rachel this has been a pleasure um Lovely. we actually have a very fun conversation that's the story we're ending on <laughs> oh no yeah that's perfect it's perfect <sighs> oh my god oh, this has been really fun because like we've kind of been moving away from the idea of just interviewing someone of like their entire like acting career blah 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 and just having like a more genuine conversation. Yeah, it's really L- nice letting the audience get to know the person that they're seeing on screen. I appreciate that. It's really nice to just chat. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Fine. Rachel, it's been a pleasure. Um, if people want yes. to check you out, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Rachel Kimsey. Um, my website, which I do not update often enough, is rachelkimsey.com. Uh, but someday when the world opens back up and I'm doing cons and stuff, that's where all of that will be uh yeah that's that's where i live on the interwebs perfect where you, you know where to find her now so um thanks everyone for watching listening whatever way you found the podcast and take it handy that is top of the morning lads and ladies support for the awful irish podcast is now brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's global waste grooming Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and you're no longer lead the luck of the Irish with the ladies. Manscaped just launched in Ireland. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can now be one of the first men in Ireland to experience their life-changing products. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code IrishPod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code IrishPod.